I never ever say this, but I'm saying it right now. I want you to time me for four minutes. When four minutes is up, somebody say, hey, time's up. Okay? Um, I have got, as of last week, I had uh, three or four people ask me about this right here. Anybody get this through the mail? Some? Yeah? National Sunday Law. This is Seventh-day Adventist. Uh, basically, I, this is how I do everything. I cut right to the chase. This is what they really believe. If you're going to church on Sunday, you're going to hell. That's what they believe. That's what they teach. <clears throat> and it's amazing to me that people will... Uh, um, well, let me go in a different way. The Sabbath, which they think you got to keep the Sabbath, which the Sabbath is from uh, 6 o'clock Friday night to Saturday, um, 6 o'clock Saturday night, and they feel that you've got to keep the Sabbath. The Sabbath is for the Jews. And let me prove that. Exodus chapter 31. Exodus 31. Verse 13, speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily, my Sabbath you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. If you're a Jewish person sitting here today, you ought to keep the Sabbath. If you're not, you shouldn't. Anybody that says, I got to keep the Sabbath to make it to God, is subtracting from what Jesus did on the cross. That you may know that I am the Lord that does sanctify you. Preacher, when was the Sabbath changed to Sunday? It wasn't. Sabbath will always be from Friday, 6 o'clock, to Saturday night, 6 o'clock. That's the Sabbath. So says the Lord God of heaven. The church never observed the Sabbath. We prove this. And before I get there, let me show you how ludicrous this is. People that say, the very people that go around saying, oh, you got to keep the Sabbath. They're breaking it all the time. Amen. If you think you're going to keep the Sabbath, that's going to get you to heaven. It's going to put a noose around your neck is what it's going to do. And God says, if that's the standard you want to be held to, I'll hold you to that. And if you do that, you ain't got a chance. Do you know that on the Sabbath, you could not travel further than 750 yards away from your house? You had to keep your land before you. And if your land went further than 750 yards, then, well, you just couldn't do it. Here's how Jewish people got around that. They would take a bowl of their earth, their land, and they would keep it before them, and they would walk further than the 750 yards. <laughs> Just the Sabbath by itself, there were 39 ways of breaking the Sabbath. Each one of those 
had 39 ways attached to it. 39 times 39 is 1,521 ways you could break the Sabbath. I'm going to go a little bit further. <laughs> Simon Peter said in the book of Acts chapter 15, do we want to place a yoke upon the neck of the people that neither we nor our fathers were able to bear? And that was the Sabbath. I got a book here, booklet by um, J. Vernon McGee. Upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached to them. He continued preaching until midnight. That was a long sermon. You will note that Dr. Luke never inserts anywhere a statement like this. Now, I want to give you a little word of explanation, for it was unusual for the church to meet on the first day of the week. He does not say that for the simple reason they always met on the first day of the week. 1 Corinthians 16, 2. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God had prospered him. Friends, why would he designate that day? It's because that's the day they observed. The church never did change to the Sabbath day. We're not going to observe the Sabbath day. The Sabbath was the seventh day. The Lord's day is the first day. The Sabbath belonged to the old creation. The Lord's day belongs to the new creation. The Sabbath was a day of bodily rest for the Jew. The Lord's day is a day of spiritual rest for the Christian. And what this is, is basically a way to legalistically try to control people. Now, I didn't have one of these. I had to borrow this. Teresa Withrow got this through the mail. I, I know what I did with mine when I got it. It went in the trash can. I am not going to believe anything that's going to detract from who and what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago. Right. This detracts from it. Right. You've got to keep this law and this law and this law and this law. And besides that, you can't drink any caffeine neither. <laughs> so that right there ought to just like, well, okay, you can say a lot of other things, but no cap, well, forget that. <laughs> and on and on and on and on. Their little uh, legalistic list goes. So in my humble, unassuming way, that's what I think about that right there. All right. Now, I'm going to do something today I've never done before. Some of you saying, well, is that wear a tie? No, I've wore a tie before. Go in your Bible to the book of 1 John chapter 5. Are you there? 1 John 5. You there? Got it? Got it. I've got it right here on my iPad. Huh? Whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loves him that begat loves him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whosoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. 
Who is he that overcomes the world but he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Father, I am believing, dear God, that your anointing is going to rest upon the preaching and the hearing of your word. In Jesus' name we're praying. Amen. In John chapter 16, verse 8, is such a mm, powerful, powerful verse of letting us know what the seed problem, the root of the problem is. In John 16, 8, it says, and when he is come, meaning Jesus, he will, he, or the Holy Spirit, meaning that he will convict, the Holy Spirit will convince, reprove, rebuke, convict, convince, any of those words that you would like to use. The world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, singular, not plural. Singular. What is the sin that keeps us from God? Ah, it's drinking. No, it's not. It's skirt chasing. No, it's not. The Bible lets us know of sin, singular, because they believe not on me. Unbelief is the germ that leads to every other sin. Unbelief. Unbelief. Why didn't you come to Jesus? Because of unbelief. Bible says in Acts, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. You don't repent of every sin you've ever committed to get saved. You could leave out a few. You would leave out a few. There's no way you could remember every sin. It's not you, you are repenting of every sin, all the sins that you've ever done. No, you repent of one sin, the sin of unbelief. Revelations chapter 20. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the book according to their works. The sea gave up the dead. Death and hell delivered up the dead. And they were judged every man according to their works. Death and hell was cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. Listen to this. And whosoever... It lets me know it's a choice through and through. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And God says the ones that are there are the fearful and the unbelieving. Them tops the list. In the book of Acts, Paul has a dream. And in this dream... He sees a man wearing weird clothes, speaking in a weird dialect, with a weird hat on, because this guy's from Europe. And you know what we think about Europeans, you know. You know, people can gripe about America all they want. These Europeans have been around for thousands of years, and they still can't get it right. So come on. You know, how smart are they? 
We're trying to copy after the Europeans. That's not a great thing to be doing. Not great. But here he hears this man say, come over to Macedonia and help us. Who was this guy? Was it the Philippian jailer? I don't think it was. I think what we have here is the full total, the sum total of the subconscious of Europeans saying we need the gospel. And here's an interesting point. Once Paul got to Europe, if he would have said, all right, I'm here, line up and get saved, you know what they would have said? We don't want to be saved. That's the last thing on my list of getting saved. And yet, Paul goes there, preaches, and because of that, people are born again. And because of that, thousands of years later, him, instead of going toward Asia like he wanted to go, the Spirit of God prompted him to go to Europe. And because of that, America is a country that loves and appreciates the gospel message because of that one dream that Paul had, and he went to Macedonia, and he went there. But think of this, once he got there, People wasn't with open arms accepting him. I think it was the subconscious deep down of them wanting God. Oh, but preacher, my boss don't want God. The Bible says God has put eternity in the heart of every person. He may put on a hard front. The Bible says that the wicked saith God knows no peace. The wicked saith God has no peace. Oh, that guy, no. I mean, he don't, he don't want God, and he's got peace in his life. The Bible says the wicked saith God has no peace. Oh, but that woman I know over there, she got everything, and she has peace. The Bible says, the wicked saith God has no peace. Let God be true and every man a liar. I believe deep down in the heart of every person, there is something within them to know when it really goes south, they need help from God. I'll tell you a way I can prove that. Every famous atheists that I've ever read or heard about, when it comes down to them dying, they always say, don't have no preacher come over here to me. Why would they say that? If, they're, if, they're, if, they are, if they are so concerned, if they are so overwhelming, they've got all the facts and they've got all the knowledge and all the, all the things figured out, they would not be concerned about a preacher coming to them. And yet, Madeline Murray O'Hare said that, Christopher Hitchens said that, they all basically say the same, don't send no preacher over here to try to convert me. God has set in the heart of man eternity. Eternity. Jesus said in John chapter 6, him that comes to me I will no wise cast out. I like it because Jesus didn't say intellectual him that comes to me I will not cast out. I like it because Jesus didn't say good him that comes to me. 
He didn't say handsome him that comes to me. He didn't say reverend him that comes to me. He didn't say perfect him that comes to me. He said him that comes to me, I will not cast you out. You know, we don't have to look like Adam to be saved. And not Adam Harold over at Centralia. Adam, the first man. And don't you know he looked, he, he looked right? I mean, I, I'm just guessing. I mean, what are, you, what are you thinking? You think that, I mean, this was God's creation, very first guy. I'd say he looked great. And Eve, there's no telling, just, I mean, <laughs> 6,000 years of birth defects and women still look great. There's no telling what she looked like. <laughs> but here you've got Adam. He is He is handsome. He is intelligent. He names all the animals. He is, he is perfect. He is, I'm just how I'm telling you how I view him. He's bald. That's just how I view him. I think he was. All great men come out on top. Him that comes to me, this is what Jesus said, I will not cast you out. Preacher, I came to Jesus and I don't feel any different. Him that comes to me and feels different, I will not cast you out. That ain't what Jesus said. No. Him that comes to me, you look the word up, runs to me, walks to me, crawls to me, resorts to me. Jesus may be your last resort, and God says, come on, come on. The Pope can't save you, a priest can't save you, a rabbi can't save you, a Baptist preacher can't save you, a Methodist preacher can't save you, a Church of God preacher can't save you, an Assembly of God preacher can't save you, the church can't save you, the baptistry can't save you, communion can't save you, only Jesus can save mankind. See, God has done the big part. The next part is yours. The Bible said we have all sinned. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. I've had my little booklet, my little Bible up here before with also the little booklet that says why Jesus died. It's got a mirror in it. I have used that dozens and dozens of times. And man, that really works good. Show them in Romans 3, 23 that we've all sinned. Every one of us. There's a price for sin in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. You believe on Jesus in Romans 10, 9 and 10. And then you call upon Jesus in Romans 10, verse 13. Preacher, I'll know when it's my time to get saved. Your time is now. That's what the Bible says. Not some hocus pocus fooey sound and stuff that, you know, you get saved to some extent and God will save you to some degree and all. That's, that's a bunch of garbage. Or you got to get baptized in our water and we got to say the exact words over you and then that's garbage. That's garbage. I seen something the other day on the internet and it's just like, and I, and I hate it that people by the tens of thousands are watching and listening to this kind of stuff. That, that oh, well, yeah, to pray a prayer to Jesus, that's just magical mysticism. Well, that's not what God says. 
God says, whosoever shall call upon me shall be saved. That's what God said. I ain't going by some slick guy on the internet. I'm going to go by what the word of God says. Well, that seems too easy. Tell that to Jesus when you meet him. He'll tell you how easy it was. Somebody had to pay a debt. Somebody had to pay the price. And again, it goes back to, well, I'm working. I'm getting my salvation the old-fashioned way. I'm earning it. Well, you ain't got God's salvation then because it's a free gift. I've done my share of weddings. You take Billy Bob, be your wedded husband, having to hold from this day forward, for richer, for poor. That's that old joke about you marrying 16 women that day. Uh, four richer, four poor, four better, four worse. <laughs> you know, it gets right up to the time that the gal, she's got two words that's supposed to come out of her mouth. Do you take Billy Bob to be your wedded husband? And her words are, I do. But instead of saying that, she looks over at me and says, I'm not having the right feeling. I'm just not feeling it. <laughs> what? No, I'm just not feeling it. Well, you know, we've made it. Went through all this, it's time, it's ready. Listen, God has proposed salvation to whosoever will. Our job is to say, I do. Not, I'm just not feeling it. I'm just not feeling it right now, preacher. The devil sold you a bill of goods. If Sally will sing the right song and will sing it to where there's six verses in it and she sings that sixth verse three times over and then I'll really know that I'm supposed to go forward and receive Jesus as my Savior. The devil's selling you a bill of goods. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Israelites... Before the Red Sea, they don't know what to do. Moses takes the staff. He holds that shepherd's staff up and the waters part. Last Sunday night, we seen the boy feeding the 5,000. They raised, Jesus raised Lazarus, but before that, they had to roll away the stone. Healing of Naaman. He had to go to seven Ducks down into the muddy water of Jordan. They conquered Jericho, but they collectively had to walk around Jericho 13 times. In all of those great things that happened, who did the big part? God did. It wasn't Moses' staff. It was God. It was the little boy sack lunch. It was God. It wasn't them rolling away the stone. It was God. It wasn't the muddy Jordan River. It was God. It wasn't marching around the city. It was God. God did the big part. Their part was to believe. Our part is to believe. Three things today is needed for someone to be saved. Preacher, do his part. For you to do your part. 
and for God to do his part. My part is to supply the facts. Your part supply the faith. God's part is to supply the salvation. And the feeling that you will subsequently have. And for whatever reason, some people want to have this feeling before they have the salvation. It don't work that way. You set on attack first, then you go, ow! You come to Jesus first, and then God eventually will give you a feeling. Whosoever, whosoever. Two stories, and I'm done. About 10 years ago, I was asked to go visit an old man over in the... In the That'll plague me all my life. In the nursing home. I went over and talked to him. He lived the majority of his life in northern Illinois. I worked in a a factory up there. And you could tell he'd been a big and way talked, a gruff guy. And the course of him talking to me, told about how many people worked in the factory. He just, he talked a lot about this factory. And I kept, I listened to him and I'd ask a few things about him, try to steer him away from that a little bit. He'd go right back to that when he worked at this factory. And he started talking about different fights that he had been in. He was the meanest, baddest guy in that factory. And he said, I one time with this hand, I knocked the guy plumb out. And he said, this hand here, he said, I had a left hook like Joe Frazier. He said, I put a guy in the hospital. Boy, great pride. I mean, he was proud for talking about that. And then he said something really cornball. He said, uh, yeah, this one, I named it, hurt you. I named this one, put you in the hospital. I couldn't keep from it. I said, sir, you got any name for your fist now? And he held up both his fists, and he was like, he was shaking. And he said, yes, I do. This one's good for nothing. And this one's a big fat zero. I said, you're going to meet God someday. And he was sick. He was dying. I talked to him about the plan of salvation. And the more I talked, the matter he got. Until, and he was laying in a bed until finally he, and his bed was up against the wall, until finally he rolled over with his back to me and just stared at the wall. And I said, if you want me to, I'll leave. And he said, I want you to. Just over, mm, time gets away, I'm going to say over a year ago. 
It, and I could be way, it could be two years. I don't remember now. <clears throat> I got a, a call from, uh, no, uh, she came and talked to me, Valerie Butte, and wanted to know that if I would go talk to Dale Crutzinger. Told me where he lived there in Xenia. I made a couple of trips there, and nobody was home. The third trip, they was just getting ready to leave for him to go to Mount Vernon for some tests. My fourth trip to that guy's house, I got to talk with him and, and Mary. And interesting, interesting couple, interesting conversation. She's a painter, had different paintings of different vacations they'd been at, and, and interesting, interesting. And I asked if I could come back. And he said, yo, I'd like that. And Dale was dying of cancer. And um, went back and talked to him about the Bible. And I said, I am not going to pressure you into this. But what I do want to do is come back the next day and talk to you more about what we've discussed today. And he says, I showed him. I showed him the plan of salvation. I seen he was interested. And he said, I want you to come back. Come back tomorrow. And I came back. And it couldn't have been any easier. I said, you've thought about it. We've thought about it. I said, you ready to pray with me? And I don't do everybody that way. A lot of times I press people. But I just, for some reason, I knew that was the correct way for me to do that. And I said, are you ready to pray? I said, you're going to meet God someday, Dale. And he looked over at Mary. And he said, Mary, you'll meet God someday too. I said, Mary, you want to pray too? And she said, I certainly do. And him and her together prayed with me, and they were both converted that day. And just a few weeks later, they called me to do Dale's funeral. That man is in heaven today because whosoever, whosoever. And Mary told me last week, she said, Preacher, I just want you to know, from the time of that prayer, I've never missed a Sunday. I'm right there at church, whether I'm here or I'm at Florida. Music to my ears. Music to my ears. That one man, it was his choice. And he turned his back to me and faced the wall. Dale and Mary said, I want that. It's a free gift. I want that. And they received whosoever it's not just for the rich and famous it's for whosoever the rich can be saved the poor can be saved the black can be saved the white can be saved the infamous can be saved the famous can be saved it's whosoever thank God for that bow your heads please father we're thankful God for another time be able to preach and to teach your word. Thankful, dear God, that it is whosoever. Thankful, Lord Jesus, for your blood. Thankful for your sacrifice that you gave. And all we have to do is say yes to you. Thank God for that plan. And Lord, I'm asking and believing that today that there's someone that's in this service. They have heard the claims that we have made this day. 
that it is not us keeping a certain set of laws or rules, but Lord God, it's believing upon the finished work at Calvary that you did for whosoever. And I am believing God that today somebody's going to say yes to you because of what you have done for us at Calvary. In Jesus' name we pray. Take my life, take all of me, take everything, it's all for you. Take my dreams, take all my fears, take everything, it's all for you. It's all for you. It's all for you. It's all for you. It's all for you.
It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.